Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. So if you follow any of Smashy's Instagram accounts, or if you listen to Hala's Tech Bill Arabi show every day, you'll have noticed that there's a lot of fintech money in the region. There's a lot of uh, conferences, there's a lot of investments, there's a lot of people doing startups, whether it's in Saudi, whether it's in Egypt, whether it's in Kuwait. Um, it seems to be the hot new space. Uh, and you know we've had a good few of these companies on the show in the past. We've had Zabuni, we've had Baraka, we've had a few others as well. Uh, and it's always good to know like how are they going about raising their money uh, what is fintech? Uh, what parts of fintech uh, are we looking at? Uh, we're in the middle of, of March. Uh, we're heading into Ramadan. It's it's sort of um, you know we're getting a good feeling of the way that the year is going, and uh, there's definitely such an excitement around startups this year. There's uh, a real energy about the place um, uh, in Dubai, and uh, it's great to have another one of those companies. Who are bringing that energy and bringing that excitement around startups and investments uh, on the podcast this week. Welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. This week we're joined by two founders of a new app, a new company again. We love talking to founders of startups. It's called Zaiwa, Ziwa, they'll correct me. On my right, it's Alok, uh, he is the CEO. Alok Kumar is the CEO uh, and co-founder, as I said, of Ziwa. And on his right, uh, we have Nuha Hashem, who's the CTO. Uh, Alok, do you want to say hello? Hey guys. So we can hear you on the podcast and Noah. Hi. Well, obviously they've got a female <laughs> and a male voice, so that's an easy one. Right. <laughs> Uh, a payment card, uh, an app for teens that helps m with managing, saving and spending their finances. Very interesting. Uh, so Noah is a female founder in the fintech industry in the region. Uh, and and they, they both have, have just announced that Siwa has been backed by Y Combinator. Well done. Very good. Uh, as part of its winter 2022 batch alongside we're closing a $1 million pre-seed million pre round. So today we're going to hear about the story of Ziwa uh, and uh, the banking industry and how they're going about uh, launching the business. Good morning. Morning. Thank you for having us. So what's your, what's and thank you for coming in, what's your elevator pitch? How did you raise this money? How do you tell people who you work for, what you do? What What's the company all about? So Ziwa is a uh, prepaid card as well as a payment app for teenagers to manage, spend, and save money. Uh, with the application, teenagers can actually have a seamless interface to handle their finances. At the same time, parents can also utilize the app to uh, give money to their kids, see how their kids are spending, and have an effective oversight. So um, how would, what would you add to that? Um, so technically, we, we try to, uh, to bring value to teenagers uh, since we have seen uh, the pain point of the, the, in this era where everything is digital, teens are still using cash. And uh, so we're trying to, uh, to bring to them uh, a solution that fits with their lifestyle and their preferences. And we're tailoring it completely to Gen Z while having the parents uh, at the same time oversee their spending and saving habits. Okay, so it seems like a, a great idea. It seems brilliant in theory that obviously educating teenagers and kids about money and savings is really important. Uh, you know, but what does does it replace the bank? Does it uh, or how does it work in practice? Are they managing their pocket money? Um, obviously, they're not earning incomes. So, what's the actual use case for your your typical uh, person who has this app? So to give context to this, me and Noha, we were born in the region and raised as teenagers in the region and we used to use cash, right? It has been a decade since my brother is 14 years old. He comes to me still for cash or my credit card to for his FIFA games or go online and purchase or email and likewise. It doesn't make sense that he does not have any alternatives. He goes to the local banks, try to open an account for them, they have a set of rules which prohibits him essentially 
to have a seamless experience. And that's what we are bridging the gap. We are coming over here by giving them an application which they would love to use. Think about it. They're digital natives, but they don't have a solution in the market yet. And we are bridging that gap by giving them an app. Okay, so let's run with that then. So your 14-year-old brother, he wants to buy one of those games. I pretend I know what it was. <laughs> and you have to give him 200 dirham. How does that work? Do you transfer it? Say you're his parent or you're his older brother. You move it from, you deposit money into your Ziwa app. You transfer it into his account. And then does it, is he able to make a transaction via the app? So as a guardian or a parent, you can actually load money from your bank account to the application and then you can transfer to your kid. The teenager can then use that uh, money with one's account through a virtual card or a physical card to pay online or offline. That's how the virtual works. So it works as a, a pre-top up. So it's not a debit card or a credit card. It's, it's a, a prepaid, prepaid card. Prepaid card. Yeah. Um, and do you have a physical card and an app as well? We have a physical card, a virtual card as well as a application to manage money okay and so but can i make a payment via the app can i uh can i transfer if i'm a, a 14 year old can i do i use the app to pay or, or it needs to be a digital Essentially, it's how you go online and pay yeah. with your bank account for amazon purchase and likewise so you pay with apple pay or you actually enter your card details into the card and you can do it so okay. think about it like a bank account for you. I get it. Translate it to your no face. problem. So you have a typical, the 14-year-old the will have a, a Ziva card number, which works like I would enter my card details, and they can make the payment. Amazing. Exactly. Sounds great. Yeah. Okay, simple. Done. Finished. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the backstory. So um, other than having that insight into your upbringing in this region, um, you know, do you know much about the fintech industry, both of you? What, what have you studied or how have you... Have you met? Have you come up with this business? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm I'm an electrical engineer, and uh, I come from a tech background. Uh, uh, not specifically in fintech, but uh, but I uh, I'm very passionate about coding and and uh, specifically iOS development and everything tech. Um, and I was doing my uh, PhD in the US, and Luke and I had known each other for um, almost eight years, and we've been fr friends since then. And uh, so uh, he contacted me, and he he'd had uh, experience with management consulting re in relation with uh, the financial industry. And if you would like to talk more about that, so I'm basically an engineer, right? So yeah. I was an engineer. I was born and raised in Saudi. I was working in Saudi as a consultant when I worked with the governmental entities and during the time I was working as a consultant, it was the era of transformation, the vision 2030 was kicking in. A lot of government entities had the had the motive and had the uh, decision-making tools to do so, but we found there's a gap in terms of operational excellence, wherein most of the initiatives which was actually being proposed, they wanted to do it, but the banks in the region were doing it slowly. That's when we really thought about we can actually start working on something to solve the issue about financial literacy, enabling the youth and supporting the Vision 2030's element of going digital mm. in Saudi and that's where the fintech ideas really started to kick in and we started exploring the market, researching the market, talking to banks, talking to teenagers, talking to decision makers in the Ministry of Finance and likewise to understand what's really happening, mean, how the government is trying to support that's where we actually garnered a lot of research, garnered a lot of key insights, which really validated the idea mm. before we even started writing the first line of code. Okay. And we felt that coming from a tech background and uh, also uh, being close in age to teenagers, that it would be, you know, we would be able to build a product that they actually love to use on a daily basis and will resonate with them. And we, we, we talk and get feedback directly from them to actually improve on the product and put features they actually want to see and use on a daily basis. Interesting. How old are you guys? Yeah, I'm in my twenties. Yeah, so 20. you were studying. You're still working. Um, and when do you make the jump? When did this start? So the idea of Ziva came in around September 2020. Yeah. I took the call. Uh, I just called up Ziva and I was uh, no, and I was like, you know what? You're the best engineer I know out there. Yeah. I want to work with a co-founder who can be with me for the next decade to build a solution which Gen Z in the region loves. Mm. I think it's an interesting opportunity. I'm not really sure how would we do it, but I think we can do it together. 
Okay. The first reaction of Noha was no. <laughs> and it took three months to convince her after talking to about 300 teenagers and their parents and bankers and key stakeholders in the industry to actually convince her to come on board. And that's when we moved to Dubai. Yeah, early 2021. Where were you then? I was in Saudi, she was in US. I was in the US, but uh, I was working in parallel for a few months on both my PhD and Ziwa uh, with the different time zones and everything. It was crazy, but I could see like working on both how how much more passionate I was about like, so you know, startup and yeah. working on different, you know, uh, verticals and like marketing products and everything. It was very exciting for me. Okay, amazing. Why did you say no at the start? What did... <laughs> <laughs> because I was two years into my PhD and I still had three years to go. Uh, so I'm and I was all settled and everything. Uh, I was planning to continue over there. But then once I started working, I realized, you know, this. I felt m- much more purpose with this. And I. this is when I decided to uh, move to Dubai and actually quit Amazing. my PhD and focus full time. Quite brave. Where were you studying? Uh, uh, Lu- uh, Louisiana. Okay, so you dropped that end of 2020. Mm-hmm. And, and why did you guys choose Dubai? Why not, why not start in the U.S. where the startup... capitals of the world why choose Dubai and um, yeah so since we were actually being raised in the region we do understand what the region is about and Noha being from Egypt she knows really the Egyptian market she has been there when I was in Saudi we see the local the teenagers out there who are actually having a struggle so we wanted to actually bridge the problem in this market because we know the market well we resonate with the audience and we had a firm conviction that we could build a product which the Gen Z in the region can love. Mm. And that's what was the trigger to start working on this. Mm. And when we looked abroad in other markets, there were similar solutions being done and they were being localized towards those markets. So there are unicorns in US, Europe, Asian markets who are doing similar solutions. We wanted to bring that, those the best practices to the region, mm. localize it, and we knew that we could deliver it because we were close to the teenage segment. We went through the struggle We personally experienced it working in the fintech industry. We knew that what it meant to deliver a solution which can be done. Okay, amazing. So, so timeline-wise, at the end of 2020, you've decided this is what you're going to do. You're going to leave your PhD. You've worked through the process. What was the next stage? When, when did the name come? Early? That's, that's an interesting question. <laughs> so when we started working on the idea, yeah. we, never had an, we never put a name to it. Uh, for, for two reasons. One, we wanted to make sure that this is a problem which has a magnitude and we wanted to validate with our customers. Second, we wanted a name which can actually stick with the teenagers. So while we were talking to teenagers, we got an idea of the name and we put some fundamentals on it and we brainstormed about 70 names based on these fundamentals and the fundamentals can boil down to three. Noha, you want to... Yeah, so so the, the main things we, uh, so the, the explaining what Ziwa means, uh, the first thing is that it's actually an Arabic word that um, from, from uh, traditional Arabic that means enlightenment, which uh, aligned very well with our vision. And the second one is that uh, we wanted a, a four-letter word or a, a short word. Yeah, yeah, it would be easy to find on the app store. It would be easy to pronounce in whatever language you speak. And uh, the third one, and most importantly, is that we wanted a, a word that starts with the letter Z, which stands for Gen Z, which is our target audience. Oh, I like it. Very <laughs> smart. Well done. That's not just an engineer and iOS, good <laughs> ideas as well. So that's amazing. So you have the name. Uh, and what next? You moved to Dubai. Did you raise funding then? Did you, you know, getting the name and the brand, you can obviously, because one of your co-founders is uh, an iOS Whiz, so you can get an, an MVP up quite quickly. Is that is that how you approached it? Did you get the the app ready to go, or or did you more have an investment deck? And and what was the next stage? So initially, when me and Noha started working on this for the first three months, from September 2020 until early 2021, yeah, we were talking to teenagers. We felt the problem is there, resonated with thousands of teenagers. We wanted to actually um, research more. And then we went to bankers in the region. Yeah. We talked to about 13 banks in the region. And when we were talking to these banks, it was very clear that the banks were not serving the segment and they did not have the intent to serve the segment. That's when we started actually writing the first line of code. Mm. We developed a landing page back in January. Uh, in the landing page, which we developed in probably a day, 
we started shooting out to our friends, family. In fact, I shot it out to my brother. He invited his friends over, and then they started actually spreading the word, right? Mm. So they shot the to WhatsApp groups, and likewise, we got about mm. a thousand signups in two days. Wow! And that's when we were like, you know what? Let's move to Dubai. Let's actually start working on it. Have a full time commitment because we do know what it means to be full time dedicated to it, and. St- start talking to the bankers and the stakeholders in the region. Mm. We moved to Dubai back in a year back, around April, mm. and uh, we started writing the app. We bootstrapped initially before bringing on board any investors. Mm. Because in the early days, it was very important to founders to have enough skin in the game. Mm. And we were actually trying to commit ourselves to so that we have enough motivation to make sure that the initial idea is validated mm. before bringing an external stakeholder. Definitely. And one of the most important things for us was uh, actually having our whole tech uh, in-house and having our own team, you know, for, for the whole tech, the whole architecture, uh, because this allows us to move fast and, and be flexible, whatever features need to be added, whatever tech need to be, uh, needs to be tweaked, you know, we can do that super fast and our team is like, working around the clock for that totally like i think that's the edge isn't it like you can't localizing isn't just changing the arabic or setting up socials in the region or licensing like localizing means what you just said like you have to be able to put features and develop things that fit the youth in your case uh people are using it but what i also like is how you 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 almost sort of crowdsource the idea with how many you mentioned a few times with how much you spoke to young people, hundreds of young people. You sent it to your brother, who's a 14-year-old, who's almost an ambassador, who then gets an, the initial people on board. So it's the perfect sort of incubation of let's let's get real feedback. It's that kind of real-time beta product, isn't it? So every time you release something, you're not sort of like going to people your age. Like it's actually the real end users are sort of uh, the first people who see those updates. Exactly. Yeah. And we actually, uh, uh, we're not just, you know, like building a service or an app for them We're we're building a community. So, uh, so we, we communicate with them on different channels and, uh, we have a group where they can come and actually give us feedback, like the, the teens themselves, the users. And Is that a WhatsApp group or a Discord? Discord. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> you got it. Very Gen Z. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and also we, we have a lot of like physical events where we, where we go and meet and talk to them. And we found that when we do that, we actually actually get more quality users who vouch for us. There's the, they're the ones who are like marketing for us on, our, on their social media, you know, wearing Ziwa merch and taking photos and videos. Yeah, brilliant. So, so okay, so you're in Dubai, you've coded it, you've got people signing up. Um, how do you, and you mentioned sort of kind of holding on to control before you raise money. How do you look at the raise piece? Because it's interesting that you talked about Saudi and, and Egypt as well, like it's hot at the moment, right? Like the you know, every day on, on Smashy, we're announcing an, a new press release or an update about fintech. I'm like, where is all the money coming from? <laughs> but there's just so much uh, ideas and there's so much energy around fintech in the region. It's almost like a fintech region at the moment. So you had loads of people queuing up to invest or how did it go? <laughs> so when we were actually starting to go full time into Zero, uh, one of the key principles we had when it comes to in- raising funds was whoever we bring to the cap table, we wanted to make sure that this investor could add strategic value in terms of product. So that strategic capital was one of our core essence. So what we did is we went to Crunchbase, shortlisted about 400 to 450 investors who were entrepreneurs (laughs) (laughs) entrepreneurs who had built things in the region abroad, fintech, foodtech, be it whatever, but great products. Yeah. We shot about 350 custom emails yeah. of like tailored to them, seeing how it can resonate with them, how they should come on board, engage with the idea, how we could have a mutual collaboration likewise. About 189 of them, 188 of them rejected us. It was a pass. Yeah. We got a 189th investor who's an entrepreneur, a successful uh, who got bought out and likewise and he he immediately had that buy-in right he was like i love this i know what you guys are building it makes sense who is Let's he go. from he, not he's, he's, he's from the region oh, wow. he's an entrepreneur in the region he built one of the one of the really successful tech startups in the region 
we were super proud to bring him on board because we knew that he could add a lot of value in terms of product, in terms of decisions to do so. Because we are young founders, we wanted to make sure that the product which we built for Gen Z is something which they love. And why why make mistakes which others have made when we could actually make new mistakes mm. by bringing in experts and build a good product? Amazing. So that again, it shows how you how you're doing things organically and with your research whether it's speaking to 300 people approaching three or four hundred investors did you only get one interest was it only one person out of all those who you short long listed on crunchbase so the first interest came in back in march 2021 yeah ever since it was like a exponential curve we had more and more interest oh, yeah. and we had the luxury to pick the right investors who made a lot of sense to us we we're trying to bring in a lot of strategic angels early on mm. because we knew that when we were raising check size under a million you can actually bring in a lot of strategic angels yeah and then later we would be going on to raise institutional investors so we are focused on strategic value add to the product and you and it was a pre-seed so not an angel round a pre-seed but did you have a, a leads vc or did you have anyone leading that from so, an investment point of view so what we try to do is we try to raise in safes which is essentially we see an angel investor we see a fit we discuss how we can collaborate great fit we sign a safe and then we raised in small tranches why did we do this one of the biggest key takeaway from our, our previous experiences was it's about having leverage mm. and founders need to have leverage when discussing with investors mm. we did not want to give too much of equity mm. when we had just an idea we wanted to build something validate get a small investment go go abroad just build more so we were trying to raise in small tranches mm. and we were getting investors coming in small tranches based on milestones that's smart so you can actually go case by case lock that in move on to the next one you're not committing too much in equity you're not committing too much in valuation you just have people with the angel mindset of like hey i want to be part of this i'm in early let's see what these guys can do exactly and it's also easy to you know raise big rounds and things like that but we we really want to raise as much as we need until we get to that product market fit uh stage where we can actually you know um scale and go from there fascinating yeah and the right people when they see that the founders are having enough skin in the game they're actually making traction on a very short period of time mm. And then when they resonate with our vision, that's an immediate click. Mm. And that's when we actually try to leverage them. We have calls with them probably on a monthly basis to show them, hey, this is what we built. What do you think about it? Mm. They, give us, they give us any opinion we take to our users and say, what do you think about this? So we, we made sure that the investors are actually parents or actually users who could actually come in and start giving us feedback. Yeah. And we actually went to the teenagers to resonate the feedback. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. I, I, I do want to fast forward to today, but before we get there, um, I'm not talking necessarily about the fintech or industry in the region or banking, but just from your point of view, what did you have to do? What is this? Is this a financial institution? Is this a bank? Are you, you know, are you are you host, holding cash? Are you holding uh, first party data? Uh, what what type of licensing did you have to do between? April 2021 and now, uh, how were you regulated? You're in Dubai, are you in DIFC? What did you do in that space? So from April 2021 onwards, we partnered with key stakeholders like banks or regulated entities. We brought in schemes who can actually support us and the schemes were having discussions on behalf of us and we were able to have a partner in Egypt, have a partner in UAE who is already regulated and we are collaborating with them to acquire users and leverage their existing institution and infrastructure to issue cards so they store the value while we act as an interface for the users. For the users, we are the entire, let's call it the experience, the payment app, but it's powered by the local banks which we have in UAE and Egypt as I speak with you. We had about, we discussed with about three banks we are we finalized two of them in each market and as i speak with you we are our beta is already live we are planning to go live the full version in a few weeks and uh, as a soft launch and in this summer we'll have the live app and it okay. should have first gone okay amazing so i i like that approach because 
you know, it's always good to be backed by a, a regulated financial institution, yet being your standalone product and not being exclusive to one. So it's a separate company. But then um, I assume that that also helped with acquisition because they can they can offer this product to their existing adults, guardian type, typical bank account holders. Um, is that what happened? Is that what they're going to do as part of the partnership? Um, yeah, for sure. So, so the parents, uh, the parents from these specific banks, they're able to connect to our app. Uh, not specifically with our partners. Uh, I mean, they can have their own. Like we're we're bank agnostic, so they can connect whatever bank account or or credit or debit card they have to the account to um, to load the money into the app. Okay. And one important thing which we prioritized over was the go to market. We wanted to make sure that we are not going to the market in 24 months or 30 months. We wanted to go to the market as soon as possible with an MVP product. That's why we got on top of many partnerships. The idea is to launch the MVP, to scale it up to and get reached a product market fit, add additional licenses, which will help us to offer more value-add services to our user segment. Okay, so often when you're building an app or a marketplace or a utility, it kind of needs um, two part parts to entities or customers or people to come together you know whether it's the um you know whether it's the company or the institution and then the user it seems like in your case you need three you need the guardian to have the app you need the kid to have the app and then you also need the financial institution is that is that accurate and is that more complicated to have three people to buy into something before it works so the way we see it it is in fact, two, two stakeholders. So one is the regulators, the banking institution, the schemes. The second is the teenagers themselves. Our thesis is, if you focus on teenagers, they becoming ambassadors to have onboarding, to have their parents onboarded, and that's the approach we are focusing with. That's very smart. <laughs> In fact, so right now, even the, the teens we have onboarded into our beta app, uh, before they finish their sign-up, they have to invite their parents. So their parents are also over there. So the teams yeah. bring the parents in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's just you, you're tapping into it, like human nature and behavior of kids asking their parents for yeah. something rather than the other way around. <laughs> so I want to play Roblox. I want to play Fortnite. I want you to top up my, here's the app. This is how you do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. And for the parents, it's also super convenient for them because they don't have to think like they can even automate the allowances to their kids every month. They, they can just forget about it. They can just put it in there, top up their wallet, and it just start, um, transfers automatically. Okay, so speaking of kids, like, um, do they, they obviously need to have a smartphone. You're on iOS, obviously, I assume. Are you on uh, Android now as well? Uh, we're releasing soon, soon. on Android. And, and, but they have to have a smartphone. Do they, what's the penetration of smartphones? And your, your, your age group would be, what, 13 to 19? Or do you go younger? Uh, 13 to 21, 21. as we speak. In fact, uh, most of them have a, are already uh, digital natives. Yeah. They are on TikToks and Snapchats and likewise. So that was never a challenge. Um, we focused on iOS apps because initially we thought the fastest MVP was to go through iOS and teenagers use iOS. At the same time, we built a Play Store app and we are planning to release in a few days. Yeah, the, the use of iPhones in the region is much higher than uh, than Android. Phones. And our our audience, they love iPhones, and they they are already on yeah. iPhone 13 or likewise. Yeah, and then I'm on my iPhone 10. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're ahead in every way. Yeah. So so okay, so you've got the the kids on board. Do you have to? Um, is there any other regulation as well as having the partner? Is there anything else you need to consider when you're creating a product for that? age group i know in marketing it's hard to get into schools it's hard to like is there any other especially with finance right because um you know uh you don't want to uh, create bad habits around money with people of that age so who's governing you and how do you sort of enter that uh that demographic so if you look at the macro in the middle east and north african market you're talking about north of 570 million population about in 20 countries with 20 different regulators so it's really fragmented market each market has its own regulators so it's really hard to build an experience which can cover the entire market and you need to go case by case for that reason alone we started focusing initially on uae as well as egypt 
and Saudi Arabia. We believe these are the three markets which is our target market for the next three years. And these three markets, we already had key stakeholders. For example, in Saudi, we brought in an advisor who could actually help us with the banking regulators as well as the central bank. In UAE, what we did is we already spoken with certain schemes to bring in the banks to us. In Egypt, also, we already brought in some banks to us. We were going through the bank route to talk to the central bank and bring the solution fastest to the market mm. because it's really hard to do it alone. And we try to gather in as many resources as we can to get the product live. Yeah. So that's a nice segue into what, I guess, a big question, which I was holding off asking is, why aren't they already doing this? Well, you know, they're, they're the big institutions talk about digital banking in this region, particularly, they like to launch their own versions of this rather than startups happening. Why is there an opportunity for Zewa to do it? Why isn't this already ticked off? I'm a, I'm a customer with HSBC or Emirates MBD or, or whoever, um, and uh, I go in and uh, I've got someone I want to give money to. Why isn't there already uh, a, an app that I can transfer money as a, as a guardian to someone younger? Some of the banks in the region already experimented it and have an application as a and a card. But the target audience you're talking about, their needs are changing and they, they have a different set of expectation when it comes to user experience. Most of the banks are not able to deliver because think about it. You're serving the SMEs, you're serving the ultra high net worth individuals, you're serving the millennials. You have a huge array of market which you can serve better mm compared to the ROI when you serve these teenagers who does not have an income, who are relying on their parents. So for the banks from a vision level, it does not make sense to have that OPEX invested into this segment in terms of an ROI. Mm. Second, the banks do believe when they reach the age of 18, they don't have any other choice and they would come back to them. Mm. So they would, they would rather address the high value segments rather than this segment compared to the OPEX involved. Interesting. And also being uh, being in Y Combinator has helped us a lot. Like we've, we're getting mentoring from uh, from like uh, founders of, of one, some of the largest neobanks in the world. And uh, and they're they're really helping us, you know, to to get to the best, you know, customer uh, experience there is. And uh, and also um, bringing in like this kind of like Silicon Valley, you know, quality uh, product over here. And uh, speaking of, of banks, uh, also uh, one thing that that works for us great is that we're bank agnostic, so uh, if you're, like you mentioned, with HSBC or any other bank, you would have to be with that specific bank to get that card. But uh, for us, you know, you can connect any bank account to you. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you spoke a little bit about uh, Y Combinator. That's obviously quite prestigious and well-known. How do you get into that and what sort of, what is this? Do, are, are they stakeholders as an incubator? And what happens in that scenario? Uh, so, as you probably already know, Y Combinator is uh, the largest startup accelerator in the world, and they uh, they have a very low acceptance rate, almost I think one percent uh, globally, and uh, and so you just uh, you just apply, and uh, when you get into uh, Y Combinator, you go through a three months uh, sort of like incubation, like accelerator uh, thing, where you uh, where we get a lot of sessions and a lot of mentoring and office hours uh, with the partners and everyone until. Um, it um, it concludes with a demo day where you present to like uh, uh, invite only audience of investors from all around, all around the, the world right. and uh, they help us with the fundraising as well as building the product and uh, their motto is to um, make something people want and this is what we have in front of us every day just to make something people want and something that our users really love. Mm. And going through Y Combinator really helped us in many fundamental ways. Um, for the basics, we really wanted to build a Silicon Valley class product in the region. Yeah. And Y Combinator made perfect sense to us. Yeah. Because we would be making a lot of mistakes if we didn't go through them because they were operators themselves who built billion dollar products in other markets. So they have those experiences which can act a long way for us. Mm along with the network which brings in of other Wycombe alumni like Airbnb, Stripe, Brex, who are, have already done a lot in terms of hiring great talents, mm -hmm. attracting 
great users to their platforms. So these are the things which really Ycom adds a lot of value. Mm. And we believe that this will help us to go closer to our vision, mm. which is to make the Gen Z in the region go cashless mm. with an amazing user experience. Nicely pushed. That's the elevated <laughs> pitch. But um, and Noah, you mentioned uh, from a product point of view, creating something for the users. How do you go about that? What do they want? You know, you talked about your brother a lot that he wanted to buy a game or whatever. Or, but what else are they doing with money? Like, are they are you teaching them how to save? Are they are they buying crypto? Are they what are they doing? Yeah, so uh, so there is actually a savings uh, account tied with the card, so they can they can put money aside for specific goals if they want to save up for like say games or whatever they want to buy. They can put it in buckets and uh, and from there they can just keep it aside for saving. Mm. Uh, at the same time, we're actually uh, and this is a big part of the the beta app that we released a few days ago is um, we have a, a gamified environment where they uh, actually learn about financial literacy concepts. Uh, uh, in a fun way, not not in a classroom or preaching kind of way, but uh, in a way that uh, instead of having them go to classrooms and try to learn about uh, these financial concepts, uh, we actually bring it to where they are, which is the smartphone. They're always on their phone. So we just bring it to them and do it in a way that they resonate with, which is which is the gamified environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of crypto and NFTs, I mean, we already have our users on, on Discord, you know, discussing about this all the time. And mm-hmm. so this is also one of the things that... Um, that uh, we we focus on in the product is because Gen Z is very dynamic and things their needs are changing every day. So uh, we want to be flexible to move fast with that. Okay, so I imagine uh, I'm I'm technically just about the generation before the millennial generation. But if I was a Gen Z, my very scant knowledge of digital banks would would I would think I would be with one of the well known digital banks from the US or the UK or um, maybe one of the ones that are like Revolut or, or one of these ones are the ones that are coming up here like Zand and these other ones that are launching um, but how how do you get me early and then what happens when I turn 21 like am I still with you uh, or do I what's the strategy here do I keep my see when then I also launch a digital bank and like for example my first job or my part-time job how what accounts am I giving it to them? Uh, do you have a strategy around that? So one important thing while we were building our MVP, we kept in mind is, apart from payment experience, we wanted to focus a lot on financial literacy. Because as you know, in the region, the financial literacy element is lower than 50%, it's close to 45 So what we wanted to... What does to that mean? How, how do you know that what classifies 45% financial literacy? People know... So think about the adults in the region who are taking up loans, who know the basic fundamentals about managing their money. It's very low compared to the global average. That's why in the region, if you find more than 60% of the adults in the region do have loans. In fact, 72% of the adults in uh, Saudi, they do not have many much savings in the age bracket between twenty five to thirty. Mm. And you'd so, be surprised how many uh, how many people don't even know about like what interest rate is. Mm. So when you take this into account, it's very f- important to make sure that you have these principles embedded or onto this young audience from day one onwards. So in our app, we made sure that the financial literacy component is done in a gamified way. And this is how we are planning to scale up to our target audience when they grow to the age of 18, when they go to uni, they go to work. We want to make sure that the kind of features, be it financial literacy, be it spending, saving, it can actually build as they age and we add value-add services when they go to uni, when they go for work. Right now in our app, we are actually allowing anyone until the age of 21. Mm. In fact, in the beta application, we had about 100 users in day one of which 20 to 23% of those users were actually 21 years of age when they mm. already can open account with other banks. Mm. And this boils down to two reasons. One, the customer experience. Two, the kind of functionalities which we tailored for Gen Z, which they cannot find in other applications. Mm. Yeah, interesting. So it just seemed to me that you probably are going to, you could see your 
product or app evolving into other needs of those people and those age as well, such as their first bank account as well. And, and you know, um, uh, do you think that's true? Maybe. For the next three years, we're focusing okay. on teenagers yeah. to go cashless. It is ambitious and it's it's nice to have that as a roadmap. But as an MVP, we want to stick with our users, the teenagers between 13 to 19, build a product they love, make sure that they go from cash to cashless, yeah. and then add a lot of value-add services like Noha mentioned, which can really accentuate their experience. Hmm. Believe it or not, in our Discord account, there are certain teenagers who are 14 years old talking about NFTs and cryptos, mm. and they have been in the space for two years. Of course, uh, <laughs> these people, <laughs> this is the future. Amazing, and it's fascinating, and you get that feedback as well. So you'll obviously, yeah, I think I think it's fascinating to see what will happen with your app, as especially having a, you know, a CTO as a co-founder as well, um, and, you know, adding the features. I want to take a step back into, you know, we talked about banks, but I, I want to ask you both about the fintech space in the region kind of hinted at it that was hot um we've had a lot of different fintech type companies on the, on the show in the past from payment gateways to different types of uh, functionalities and i personally i'm often left with a feeling of wow they're brave they're brave people because uh it seems like an industry that yes you can come up with something niche but if the big player does something, if Apple partners with Stripe or if uh, Facebook Messenger offer, uh, you know, payment transfer, it's game over. Like, it, you know, it's obviously not as simple as that, but it just seems to me as such a risk to try and sort of try and go in there when all the big boys need to do is go bang, you know, and go, all right, if Visa or MasterCard or one of the big banks get their, get their uh, game together... Uh, I was going to, uh, I was going to say, get their shit together. But like, if if they do, then it's kind of like, ah, oh, you know. And I, and when I kind of think of that, I go, well, I'm in media and I invest in some media companies, and it could be the same thing. Why are you investing in a small startup company? Why wouldn't Spotify just eat that? So I kind of get that. But like, do you not feel like if someone, you know, what if Apple just launched uh, a card? Like Apple have Apple Pay. What if Apple launched something? excuse me, like Siwa, what will happen then? They all have iPhones. It's an interesting question, and I, I do believe that the fintech industry in the MENA region is it is it at its infancy period, and there's going to be a lot of startups doing a lot of cool stuff, especially in the fintech, because most of the, most of the user segments, be it Gen Z, millennials, they don't have quality options in the current environment, and there's a lot of gap in the market, mm. be it lending, be it BNPL. You talk about it, you have a lot of options mm. to actually bridge the gap. And I, I think the big players, for them, if you think about it, in the region, coming to the region, discussing with the regulators, scaling that product, the kind of resources involved to do it, it's not granular. Mm. It takes a lot of efforts. So I think the startups are the ones who are going to win in this market for the next decade because as the regulatory maturity increases, there's going to be a lot of fintech startups who are going to do a lot of interesting things mm. which could bridge a lot of gaps. And when the big players come in, most of them would have a head-to-head -head competition. Some of them may get acquired, but I, I still believe that some fintech startups would become the revolute of MENA yeah. or the stripe of MENA. And I see that happening very soon. Mm. Think about it. Until 2018, the amount of fintech funding and the amount of fintechs in this region was relatively low to what it is right now. Do you know those numbers are roughly? I think Magnet is the best example. If you go <laughs> to the Magnet, Magnet and, yeah. and uh, the kind of funding in the last, in the 2022, it's it has in the last three months it's really high compared to 2021 across Absolutely. yeah definitely it's fascinating and i totally share that with you i think like yes we will have new companies that emerge i just think you're brave <laughs> because <laughs> because it's it's a hard thing to get into um so what does the future hold you you know you've raised funds now um how what size is your team and what's your kind of product roadmap plans for the for the next kind of 12 18 months 
um, yeah, so so right now our team is about um, seven seven members, including us. And uh, are they all based here in an office in Dubai, or are they remote? Five of them are in Dubai. Yeah. Two of them are remote. Where's the office? And where you? We have uh, in JLT. Astrolabs. No, you have it. You have an office. Yeah. yeah. And but you re- you license it under DMCC. And we have one in DIFC also, which is yeah. a co-working space. Yeah. So that's our two offices. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, our five member team is spread throughout the two offices. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. So so right now we, um, uh, as we mentioned, like we were we were completely focused on on building a great product earlier, and now we're uh, we're we're heavily focusing on uh, marketing and meeting our users in person and uh, talking to them and um, and getting feedback from them. So uh, so as we as we launched our beta app, we're slowly uh, onboarding our users from from the way list onto the app to to make sure they all have a great experience uh, so we incorporate the feedback uh, as we go and uh, after that uh, as Alok mentioned in a in a few weeks we'll, we'll have our soft launch after which we uh, we will be rolling out with the cards and uh, uh, so actually our our cards we uh, we tailor them around like personalities so not exactly just the card that you spend with but an emotion you know so like if you're a specific uh, personality you can resonate with this card and we also tie it to specific causes which we have identified that Gen Z really care about companies that stand for specific causes mm-hmm. so uh, so we're really building on on top of that to like uh, in terms of the community in terms of the causes we're contributing to um, as as well as uh, giving them a great experience. To add to what Noha mentioned, in the next few months, what we are focused on is really enhancing our product. First, getting the first hundred customers who love you, then the first thousand customers who love you, and try to iterate the product with their feedback and likewise. Mm. Because we believe this is the way you actually build that organic base who would love you, who would actually find fellow teenagers in our community. The reason why teenagers come to Zivers should not be for just the app or the card, but finding fellow like-minded teenagers who resonate with their values, who resonate with their ideas, who can collaborate with them. We're trying to create that kind of teenage club, mm. wherein the Ziver club comes in, mm. where teenagers or like-minded teenagers That's come. That's the name of the Instagram uh, <laughs> channel, yeah, Ziver Club. So and also, yeah, exactly. Okay. And also, uh, when you see that users are uh, are like bringing feedback or, or issues they're having and things like that into the community instead of like just deleting the app and leaving and they're still using it, you know that they actually love the product and they want to stick around. Yeah. In fact, from our Discord, we already got three interns yeah. who, who volunteered. We are like, can we intern for you? Can we manage your Discord account? Can we actually manage your Instagram account? Yeah. So And they are actually creating content for us on a daily basis. Wow. So they are the ones who are ambassadors and that's the kind of product we want to build for them, for their friends, for their family in the in the region for the next 12 months and, and get that product market fit. Yeah, I really like that. I mean, if I was, uh, I could see how that could appeal to investors because of the w- way you're approaching uh, the youth and making them part of the story as well. It's really interesting. Kind of two fit questions to finish on. One uh, in relation to the different countries that you're focusing on, because they are different and you know, uh, say UAE, KSA and, and Egypt, yes, uh, the kids might need to be able to afford an iPhone, but the affluency and the GDP and the the, the different makeups of the economies uh, is is different. And so would consumer spending habits as well. Um, do, you, do you tweak your product? Do you tweak your approach? Or do you kind of go, um, let's, this is us and people can use it in any way they want? You're, you're absolutely right in terms of the localization. In fact, to give you an example, in Saudi, the language in, let's say, a city called Kobar or Riyadh is different from 1,000 kilometers away in Jeddah, where they have a different dialect and likewise. So it's important to localize not only to the language, to the consumer behavior, and we are doing it from day one when we, are, when we have launched a beta app in UAE as well as Egypt, where we focus on each city by city, try to understand the consumer behavior from the usage when they give when they give any feedback on our discord we go back and we try to localize it tweak it and one hour we ask the user does this make sense mm. and we try to get those customers who love you and we are building that kind of 
localization element, not from a language, but from a consumer behavior mm. to get that product market fit across all the markets, which you're focusing yeah. on. Yeah. And then, Noah, the second question as well around, you know, you moved from the US, um, you obviously are from the region originally. Um, we always ask it this way, you know, if the Middle East is an emerging market, will it ever emerge? Uh, or in our lifetime, what do you think? Um, I definitely feel that uh, it has the potential to to do so. And uh, in fact, uh, uh, if we're talking about like the UAE and Egypt, I mean, UAE is like the the, the hub for startups now. And uh, as you rightly mentioned, fintech and uh, and Egypt uh, in the past few years has been like like skyrocketing in, in terms of like uh, the economy and uh, and startups. So definitely, I see a lot of potential in the region, and you see. You sense that also from investors who have never invested in the region before, but mm. you see them uh, having a lot of interest in the region recently. Yeah. Fascinating. And, you know, as well as you're in touch with the youth, with the Gen Z, um, and, you know, many of them will want to work and live in Dubai from Egypt or where, for wherever, but they also want to stay in the region now, don't they? You know, like maybe you returning from the US, but... Um, there is that sort of energy about the region and young people. There's more hope for, uh, because we've seen unicorns, we've seen exits, we've seen that sort of startup energy in the region. It seems like a um, very exciting time. It is. It is very exciting. And I think, uh, in fact, almost, I think, 25 or 30 percent of the region is, is uh, under the age of 25 or under the age of 30. So mm. uh, so it's it's definitely uh, a young era. <laughs> Brilliant. Positive note to finish on. Well, thank you so much for sharing the story. I think it's been great to have, you know, both a CEO and a CTO on so we can hear from both sides. Uh, and, you you know, you've sold me. Uh, I'll, be, I'll definitely be talking to people about this in the future and downloading the app. So congratulations on your launch this week and uh, wishing you success in the future. Thank, Thank you so you. much, Richard. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Well, sorry for the little technical difficulties that we had at the start of that. I hope you stuck with it. I hope you listened to the interview as it went on because they're, they're two really nice people. I really kind of got on with them. Had a good chat afterwards, Nuha and Alok. They really know what they're doing and um, they've almost changed my negative perspective or almost closed-minded that I would never invest in fintech because I just don't understand it. But that's the type of company I could definitely get behind. Uh, this is not investment advice, <laughs> but I could definitely get behind Ziwa. Uh, very nice company, very good thesis and uh, can see them doing great things. Uh, I want to say thank you to Richie our videographer turned producer this week, uh, Ali's on leave, and Shahir Al-Kindi, who booked this show, uh, is unfortunately off sick today. Um, so Richie's had to manage everything himself, but he's done an amazing job. Uh, wherever you're listening to this on podcasts, uh, please do subscribe if you're on Apple or you know share a link with Angami or with Spotify or with Podio or wherever you're listening uh, to anyone who you think might be interested. Uh, any, any new follower, any new listener is always appreciated and any feedback as well. Um, on Dubai Works, we don't all, only do startups or fintech startups, we do lots of different industries um, and established businesses as well that are C-suite or founder uh, in the UAE. They have to be practitioning in the UAE and it's around Dubai being a business capital. So that's the type of guest that we're looking for. But of course, we've got lots of other shows on smashy.tv you can see you can check it out on web browser ios android or some of the smart tv operators as well uh, please do check that out listen to some of our other shows or, or follow any of our, our social media profiles we're launching them on tiktok as well if you're interested uh, thanks and we'll be back again next week